right. Uh, doing well today, church family? Doing well? Uh, you're going to be doing well after I preach this message. Uh, I believe it. Um, so can we just pray today before we jump into the talk? I uh, got some things I want to share with you today. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this word today. Thank you for this day as we glorify your name, Jesus. And uh, today... We are in a series on thanks and giving, which you know about, and today we just want to give you thanks for all that you have done and all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we've been in a series uh, simply called Thanks and Giving, and today we're in part three of that series, and uh, the message piece is going to be a little shorter than I want to share some things with you. So here's the series we've been in. We're going to recap a couple of things. If you have your notes, maybe the lights are going to come on. I don't know if they will, um, but uh, so Thanks and Giving. In part one, we made this statement, if we could put it up on the screen that we talked about, about growing your grace. Let's go to the chart. I'm sorry. I put the chart up first. Thank you. All right, so... Um, we talked about this in part one of the series about exploring God. Now today, I need you to do something with me. I need you to really follow everything I'm about to unpack because I think God wants to say something to you and to me. So make sure you follow me on this, okay? So in part one, we showed this chart up of a survey that was done by 525 churches, 180,000 people, and they came up with four groups of people in a church. And they said, in church settings in America, okay, we have this church atmosphere, the people, you have people who are exploring God, and then they, because of, and they have beginning in God, close to God, God-centered. What takes a person from exploring God to beginning in God is grace. That is, they come to know Christ, they get saved, they give their life to Christ, and they know that they can't have salvation, eternal life in heaven without the grace of Christ. And so they receive that grace, and now their relationship with God begins, and these are people who are in the stage of beginning in God. All right. What moves a person from just new to faith to close to God is God's Word. They start reading their Bible. They get to grow in God's Word. And as they grow in God's Word, they grow in their knowledge of who He is. They grow in their faith. And they would be people who would be classified as people who are getting close to God, which makes sense because when we're in, uh, we're abiding in Christ, we're abiding in the Word of God, we get close to God. By the way, if you ever feel distant from God, what do you think you should do? Go read the Word of God. You read the Word of God, you get close to God. All right. So, God's Word, close to God. And then what separates a person who's like God-centered? And the answer was giving. People who gave in three specific ways, though. Time, talent, and treasure. All right. So, this is just kind of this like growing progression. And if I really wanted to, at the very top of the chart, I could write the word growing in faith. Many of you know, you would say, okay, we want to grow in our relationship with God. We want to grow, grow. We want to mature in faith. This would be kind of a mature process, if you would. So if you're not giving your time, talent, and treasure, you might look at that as a church. If you're categorizing this group of people, you'd say, well, maybe they're not as mature. And they're growing in maturity. And by the way, we know that it takes a while to go from exploring God, beginning in God, close to God, God-centered. It doesn't just happen like a big leap. It's in phases. Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes it takes years. And for some of us, it's taken decades to get from beginning in God to close to God, right? And so this is just kind of a progression that we see in church settings. So in part one, we made this statement. We said simply this, those who grow in grace, grow in giving, right? Those who grow in grace, their relationship with God, grow in giving. And then in part two, we made this statement, when we give from grace, we graciously give. What is giving from grace? 
If you remember, we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, which is where we're going to be again today. And we said, when you give from the understanding of the grace of God upon your life, you will graciously give because Christ has graciously given to us when he gave his life for us. And so those who give, give from grace. And when they give from grace, they graciously give. And so today we're going to continue this series. We're in a series, and specifically 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We've gone through verses 1 through 9. I'm going to jump right into verse 10 today. So here's verse 10. Paul is writing this letter to this church in Corinth. Do you remember this? Yes? I need participation, church. Please help me today. I know it's cold weather and we're Floridians and it's like, but can you, are you with me today on this? All right, so they, he's writing to this church in Corinth and he's writing to three churches. Do you remember the churches? Okay, I will remind you. Ready, Students, okay, are we ready? All right, this is why you have notes. Who are the three churches? Remember? Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea, right? And he's writing to these churches in what's the region called? Macedonia, okay? So he's writing to these churches in Macedonia, three specific churches. Now, this letter is to a church in Corinth, which is in the southern part. Do we have the map, by the way? If you have the map, put it up. Maybe it'll help all of our class out today. It'll be good. If you don't have the map, it's okay. But there it is. Oh, she's just got to clear the words. I'm sure she'll figure all that out. All right, so when the map clears up, she'll try to do that. All right, so you got this northern part called Macedonia. The southern part's called Achaia. And at the southern part is, all right, at the southern part is, is Corinth. Okay, so she's, Paul is writing to this church in Corinth. And he's talking about these churches up north in Macedonia. And specifically, there it is. Uh, specifically, right up here, Berea, Thessalonica, and Philippi, in this northern part called Macedonia, the southern part, Corinth, down here near Achaia, he's saying, hey, church in Corinth, when you think about giving, I want you to look at these churches up here and look how they're giving. He's using them as an example, okay? So that's what he's doing. Now, verse 10, this is what he continues on writing about these churches. So he's talking to the church in Corinth, Keep in mind, he's talking about how these churches in Macedonia have given. He says, here's my advice. What's the title? What's the context? Giving. Here's my advice. This is Paul's advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. But now something's different, obviously, to the church in Corinth. Something's changed. And he says, now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. And I have this uh, statement that I read in part of the study, and I'll just read it to you now, that uh, the tragedy of life so often is, this is by commentator uh, William Barclay, says, not that we have no high impulses, that means that sometimes we're inspired to give, but the problem is we fail to turn them into actions. In other words, a lot of times it's so true that, you know, you get moved by God, you get moved towards giving something, and then all of a sudden you just don't follow through with it. And what Paul is saying to his church in Corinth is, I need you to follow through on this. I need you to follow through. Last year you were the first to give, but something's gotten in the way this past year. You've been distracted by something else, and so I need you to refocus your priorities, church in Corinth, on this area of giving. Then he goes on to say this really important statement. He says, I want you to give, go to the next, give in proportion to what you have. Now, he's talking to a church in Corinth, which actually has a lot, but he's talking about a poor church or poor churches up in Macedonia. And he says, I want you to give in proportion to what you 
have in proportion to. Now, I know what some of us are thinking, and I just wrote this down, that some of us are thinking, well, I don't have. How many of you guys just don't have? I just don't have to give, you know? You don't have to raise your hand, but I don't have to give. I don't, I don't ever have to give. And for some of us, we understand that, and I just want to read this to you, just some thoughts I put down, that God judges our giving against what our resources are. That is, give in proportion to what you have. And for some of us, we have more. Some of us have less. He's, but however, I want you to understand this. The issue of what and how we spend is relevant to what you have. Did you hear what I said? What you have is, is also dependent on how you spend it. In other words, we can't tell God, since it's in proportion to what we have, well, God, I don't have anything because I've spent everything. That doesn't work out well with the Lord in giving. And in this context, Paul. In other words, the church in Corinth come back and say, Paul, we've already spent all we had. I mean, did you see our house? You saw our car? Unfortunately, you know, we had to get our jet skis. We had to get, you know, go vacation. We're planning for things. Right? So he's saying, you need to give proportion to what you have in the beginning, not at the end. Get towards the beginning. In fact, if you open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and the first letter he writes to them, he talks to them about giving regularly on a weekly basis. And so he's like, you, you got to prepare for this thing. Don't do this thing last minute. Get back to where you were. Write down, if you're taking notes, write down this statement. Key truth. When we give, God looks for both readiness and willingness. I want you to understand this really important principle and what I mean by this. Some of the biggest givers I know in my, in my life, and I'm not talking about just financial givers, are intentional givers they plan to give. They don't just give randomly when Phil prompted they plan to give. Just imagine what your giving would look like if at the beginning of every year or maybe a certain season, you, you just looked at your spouse if you're married or maybe you're single and you just said, here's how much I'm going to plan to give away from the very beginning. This is what Paul is alluding to with the church in Corinth. I want you to do this first. Even in Matthew 6, Jesus talks about seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. There's this idea of first fruits all through scripture. Giving first. I want you to plan. Be intentional about this. I want you to be ready to give. And when, of course, when Paul is coming, he's sending Titus. Remember, he sends Titus to this church to collect this offering. He said, I want you to give this first. Be ready and be willing. We've unpacked willingness already. They were eager to give. They couldn't wait to participate in the offering. When we give to God, God looks for both readiness and willingness. In other words, God looks around the earth, says, who's able to give? We don't have the luxury or excuses saying, God, sorry, I already spent it all myself. Hey, I wish I could have. I'm sorry, you know, unfortunately, I spent it all already, right? He says, no, 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 that's not, a, that's not an excuse here in the kingdom of God. We give first. You set it aside first in your giving. All right, then he continues on in this letter. It says in verse 12, Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. So I want you to give willingly. I want you to give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Now, I know some of you are thinking, well, that's, that's great. You know, all I have is about 10 bucks in my bank, so I'll give a penny. You know, I don't know. And so, but I want you to follow this. What Paul is writing to this church, he says, of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others or hard for yourselves. That's important, okay? I don't want you to give to the point that you are suffering. So I'm not saying you should do that. I only mean there should be some equality, he says. True Christian giving cannot be measured by the amount. One might give a million dollars and yet have enough, enough, uh, have enough left over. 
And some may give one dollar and give a tremendous sacrifice. Does that make sense to you? Yes? Some, some have, you know, I, I looked up some stuff. I won't to say the name of the company, but a massive company. I, I'm always interested in how they give to different charities, organizations. Massive, massive company, multi-billion dollar company. And you look at their giving, okay, and I'll just tell you, it's like slim pickings. And it's like $230 million. And I was like, gosh, they give $230 million away. And they could brag about, wow, what a great organization. They give $230 million away to charity. Oh, wait, they brought in $99 trillion this year, you know. And, and so in one way, it's like, gosh, but then, but then I take the same concept, okay, and think about somebody who all they have is 100 and they gave 50. Who gave more? Well, according to Jesus, Jesus will clearly say the, the 50%. Because it comes down to this percentage thing, right? And this is what Paul is alluding to. Hey, if you have more, you should probably give more. Now, if you have little, you should give according to what you have. And, and, and just understanding this idea of sacrifice, write this down, key truth, something really important. In biblical giving, attitude counts more than amount. If you want to know how Jesus looks upon your giving, just check your attitude because it matters way more than the amount. So think about somebody who has a billion dollars and says, hey, man, let's give. This is absolutely, this is important. Here's $10, and you have a billion in your bank. You're like, well, you know about the future. You just never know, you know. And, uh, you know, so just think about all those excuses that someone can bring if they have, you know. Does that make sense, you know? And, of course, for most of us, because most of us aren't billionaires. Any billionaires in here? Let's check in. Okay, so... <laughs> but, 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 you know, so, so in our heads, we do that, right? We, we, we kind of have that in our mind. Gosh, you're a billionaire. Like, how could you? Watch this. You, you think, man, you're a, we do this. I do that. You do it. Man, you're a billionaire. Goodness, what it would be like. Oh, Shark Tank, if we could just be a billionaire, then I could. Da, da, da. And then we could even go to millionaires. And maybe there's a millionaire too. Maybe there's not a millionaire. We go, oh, if I was only a millionaire, then I could. Da, 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 da. And then for some of us, maybe it's, it's a half a million. You know, man, if I could just have a six figures, oh, then, da, 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 da. Can I just tell you, we are some of the wealthiest people on the planet. And there are so many other people in the world who says, man, if I just had $10 a day, right? Like it's always that kind of comparison thing. And Paul is saying, I just want you to understand when it comes to giving, attitude matters way more than the amount. Look at this statement from Jesus. Two statements from Jesus. One comes from Matthew, and we'll read another one in a second from Mark. But Jesus made this statement, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says the attitude, the heart matters way more than the amount. And then he tells a story. We know about the story in the chapter of Mark 12. Jesus tells the story. He's, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were. Oh, by the way, watch this. You ready? This is good teaching today. Watch what Jesus does. Now, I'm just about to tell you what Jesus did. If you ever want to know what Jesus did and how he thought about giving, look what Jesus did. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put. And he, come on, say the word. Okay, now watch this. There's a, there's a church setting. There's a tabernacle. And Jesus specifically put himself where he could see you give. I mean, you think he cares about giving? 
You think it matters to him? I mean, he puts himself in a position and he's letting his audience know as he's delivering this, I'm watching. I watch your giving. And I'm not here to go, oh, he's trying to beat me up. No, I'm just telling you, he's watching. Jesus is watching. And he watches the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. And many rich people threw in large amounts. Here's the whole comparison thing. Here's the whole percentage thing. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins. And here's what makes the difference. Worth only a few cents. Continue on verse 43. Calling his disciples. Okay, those are the people who are trying to be like him and live like him. His followers, his church, the body of Christ. He calls them over and Jesus says, truly I tell you this. So in other words, truly, I'm not lying, just in case you're wondering. Truly I tell you this, the poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. And of course they're thinking, what? She gave us a few coins. He wrote a big check. He's like, yeah, yeah, but I know what's really in their bank. And when it comes down to percentage, that didn't even cut close. The poor widow, man, her sacrifice, worth way more. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty. Do you remember the church in Macedonia, how they gave? Out of their poverty. Do you see the connection? And put everything, all she had to live on. Man, this is powerful Powerful statements that Jesus makes as it relates to giving. Bottom line, in our giving to the Lord, what's in the heart matters more than what's in the hand. What's in the heart matters way more than what's in the hand. All right. So, I have all that. That is the end of the talk. And now I just want to talk to you as a church family about some things that have happened and transpired over the past few weeks. All right. Just checking on my time. I don't see the clock running. So that means I have all the time in the world. This is fantastic. Time has stopped. I've prayed for this day for the sun to stand still so I could preach to you until, you know. All right. So a um, couple things with this. And I intentionally didn't put what I'm about to tell you in fully into my notes um, because I want to talk a little bit from, not that I don't talk from my heart, but just kind of off cuff and be as transparent as I can with you today. So a few weeks back, you know, and I'm going to deliver this the best that I can. I think you'll understand why when I get there. A few weeks back, uh, was was praying. Well, I'll back up even before that. Back up before that. Uh, about a year and a half ago, we were uh, looking at a piece of property that I found online. I'll just take you through the journey. You can just follow me on this sitting from my perspective. About a year and a half ago or so, I was up late one night at midnight and uh, just had a kind of a rough day and just kind of down, but I was praying, just thinking. Ended up getting on Zillow and found uh, 40 acres of property for sale for 900000 in our area. And I was like, okay, miracle of God, here we come, you know. And, and the address was 4300 Joy Drive. And so, um, and it is off of Lake Patience. So you take patience to get to joy. Come on, somebody say amen. So I was like, Jesus is about to do this. This is incredible. What? This can't be real. And uh, so that year, it was 2020 when I saw that. So that was, yeah, so a year and a half, two years ago. So, uh, so that year, I felt like the Lord told me the word patience. I didn't know. The staff had really felt like the word patience. And the staff even got me a picture or of a word that said patience and put it on my wall. Talk about having to work every day and stare at the word patience. And you're like, goodness, you know. Well, anyways, 
it was that year that I came across this property. Uh, me and my wife, we drove around the property. There wasn't great accessibility to it, so we just didn't see how it could work out. And so we ended up not making an offer on it. We just thought, Don't, it's, for, it's cheap for a reason and just not great accessibility to it. Well, that being said, uh, so about six months later, uh, felt like the Lord um, said, I want you to pray to redeem it. I want you to start praying. This is, you know, and I'm like, why? So I started literally re like, Lord, why did I miss that land? How, how did I miss that property? I don't understand. And so I'm in conversation with the Lord about it, and I just kept feeling like, and I called my friend Paul, who's, I don't know if Paul's in here today, um, but he might be home. Um, so he's, uh, Paul's a realtor, attends our church, and a great guy, and was talking with him, and uh, I said, you know, praying about this land, is it available? No, it's, it's already under contract. It's a done deal. Slam dunk. You know, there's no chance of you getting that. Well, for about a year, I've been journaling about this land, 4300 Joy Drive, and I just keep, and I pass by it, taking my kids to soccer, and uh, keep feeling like the Lord's saying, redeem it, redeem it, redeem it. Now, the word redeem means to buy back. And I mean, like, my spirit is shouting inside while my mind is thinking, this is the stupidest thing in the world. The land is landlocked pretty much. It's on a dirt road. It ain't never going to happen. But my soul is saying, redeem it, redeem it. I'm telling you. So I do that. I do that for about a year plus. I don't know, you know, getting time mixed up. But I do it for long enough. And I tell my friend, Paul, I said, man, you know, I feel like the Lord's saying redeem this land, but I don't know why. All right. A couple weeks ago, about three weeks ago now, another piece of property pops up in our area. It's 10 acres, and it's at 1.1 million. <clears throat> Excuse me. So 10 acres, 1.1 million. And, um, and so, you know, I see that, and I'm like, man, so just start to kind of investigate it a little bit. And ended up making an offer on the land. We got them down to 940,000. 10 acres right now in Odessa in our community is, you know, pretty reasonable in what we're dealing with in our market. And so Brave Church, we should celebrate. We're officially under contract on the 10 acres at 940. So, all right, that's cool. But you heard what I just told you too. You're like 940,000. I'm like, okay, so, all right. Hold on, just follow me on this. So we go under contract on this property at 940000 Still going to take a miracle of God. Okay, Lord, we trust you. This is what you want us to do. And, uh, and so just praying it through. This is about three weeks ago. And just trying to, you know, figure some things out, whether or not we're going to do it or not do it. And so two days after making an offer on this land, I get a phone call. I get a text message first. And because it threw me off so much, I called them. I was like, you're not going to just text that to me. Paul had texted me, you won't believe this. I said, what? Joy Drive just came back on the market. And I went, I told you. And so I call him. I'm like, I'm not texting, man. I'm going to rub this in your face. I told you, Paul. I told, he's a good God. I told you, man. He's the Redeemer. I'm like, you know. And I'm, do you all understand? Well, I mean, you, do you understand? You don't understand because you're not, you're not with me on this. I had journaled for over a year, wrote down, the Lord will redeem 4300 Joy Drive. Now you say, why does that matter to me so much? Patience to joy, four and three. Now here's why four and three matters. Four plus three is? 
seven. The name of the youth ministry that I started, that when we, when we, I didn't start the youth ministry, but I, when I, we rebranded it and changed the name, and uh, I called it seven. I felt like the Lord told me to name the youth ministry seven, so I did. When I, when I had got, I started in 2008, God called me to plant the church in 2015, which is seven years later. The word, the number seven in Hebrew is savah, which means perfection or completion. Yes? How many days are in a week? Seven. Okay, so you're with me. So you see this seven. So God calls me seven years from the youth ministry to plant the church. So we plant in 2016. And we started at Seven Springs Middle School. Are you, do you understand? Are you with me? Everybody with me? Okay. All right, so Seven Springs Middle School. Then we go to Odessa. We're there five years, okay, and we do that. Then we move over here, and then I see Joy Drive, four plus three is seven. So me and my wife, about two years ago, were looking for a house to buy. We were in transition, and we were looking at this house we really wanted. We had some personal, we had our private, we wanted land. Me and my wife, we'd love to have land one day for our house. And we were under contract on this piece of land. And we were going to build the house, like our own kind of custom house. And this is this whole thing. It's like our dreams are coming true. This is also what we want. Make a long story short, we ended up saying no to it. We set it all down and we said no. And I'll never forget this day when the Lord spoke to me like this, he said. And I was in transition. We didn't know where we were going to live. We didn't know what we were going to do. We had just given up like our dream. And the Lord said to me, why did you move out here? And it was more in context of the dad saying, did you come out here to build your own house? And I said, came out here to build a church. And he said, one word, he goes, right. It's like the dad that just looks at you and says, right, and I don't have to say anything more. That day, I got up out of my seat. I said, Carissa, I've got to go to find a house today. The Lord didn't call us to build a house. He called us to plan his house. i got to go. we got to find a house to live in, and this ain't it. So we drive to Bexley, which is where we live. I show up. I said, hey, do you see what you got, anything available? He says, we have two lots left. And then one of them is over here, and one is right here. And the one that was over here, to make a long story short, wasn't going to work out. So basically he said, we really have one lot for you. Lot number seven. And at that time I'm like, this is a joke, right? All right. So that's why four plus three Joy Drive meant so much, just seeing so much of it there. Years ago, too, I had prayed that the Lord would give us a double portion. I said, Lord, give me a double portion. I was a young church planner, Bridgeway's on 20 acres. And I'm like, Lord, give us a double portion of Bridgeway. You know, like this whole, you know, Elijah and Elisha thing. And they are on 21. We're on, this would be on 40. So anyways, I'm connecting all of these dots. The Lord is the Redeemer. Are y'all tracking with me, church? Do you understand how in the moment for me, it's in those aha God moments. Has anybody ever experienced stuff like this? Any one of you ever just weird stuff like this? You're like, is this crazy? God is so good. Has anyone ever had God talk to them like this? If you haven't, I'm, I'm telling you, you got to get into a relationship with this Lord. He is amazing. It's so good. All right. So, so that's where I'm at. So the, the stuff comes, it comes back onto the market. Call the elders of the church. And I'm like, we're under contract over here. What do we do about this? 
So we thought, there's too many signs. We've got to make an offer on this. So then we put an offer in on the 40 acres, right? And I am a nervous wreck. I'm like, this is crazy. Because when, by the way, when your initials go on a million-dollar contract, it's like, and then when it goes on a second million-dollar contract, you're like, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? You know, so, so this doesn't feel good. You know, there's this, yeah. So I'm there. I make the offer, we prayerfully consider it, and we'll just say, well, we'll see what happens. And so I just fully give it for about 24 hours. I am just, Lord, do something. And then I start begging the Lord, please don't give us the 40 acres. I don't want that much land. There's no way. It's, oh, no, don't do that to me because that means the building sizes and, oh, no, no, no. So I'm just like, you know, praying it through and, and somewhat of laughter. Well, we gave it over to the Lord, trusted him that he'll close the door. Y'all know that. Open the door. They went with another offer on the 40 acres, and immediately my response to Paul was, praise the Lord. Praise him. Praise him. I trust that he knows what's good. So currently, we're under contract on this 10 acres, and uh, we believe with everything in us that, you know, we're going to keep stepping towards it. Are you with me? Everybody good? Anybody excited about that? Okay. I knew that the ones, I, I guarantee the loudest cheerleaders in a minute are going to be the Setup Teardown team. I'm telling you. If you're not cheering, it's because you never got here at 6.45 in the morning and know what it's like to do it for five and a half years, okay? So, hold on. All right, so that's where we are. Let's put that on pause for just a second. Okay. Here's the teaching. Would you put, if you have it, do you have 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 9 from last week? If you don't, uh, that's fine. If you can find it, then you could just put 2 Corinthians Eight, one, up, through nine. If you if you can find that from last week, all right. I'll let her work on that if she can figure it out. So here's where I had an epiphany this week, and I'm gonna come down if I don't get feedback, because I want I want to do something to illustrate something to you. A lot of times when I preach and I teach to you, I'm also learning it as well. Sometimes I just got out of the season. Sometimes I'm about to go into the season. That's why I preach on certain things, you know, like, and I'm like, oh, I'm about to go into that season. I'm just coming out of it. But sometimes I'm right in it with you. And I sometimes feel like, and I'm just going to sit here, I feel like in the season that I'm in, and I wanted to throw the illustration to you, I feel like I literally am right here, excuse me, on my microphone, learning, sorry, Learning this with you. Like, that's how I feel right now, that I am looking at the screen. Now, go to the text if you can, 2 Corinthians 8, uh, not the chart, just 2 Corinthians 8. There you go. All right, that's it. So, I feel like I'm learning with you. All right? So, I want to read this chapter to you quickly, and then I'm going to share with you what I think God is saying to you, and he's also saying something to me. So, I normally plan about six months out the preaching calendar. I had a whole series plan called Thanksgiving in a completely different direction. And if you were looking at my teaching calendar notes, you would see that 2 Corinthians chapter 8 was nowhere near a part of this. But the week leading into it, I felt like the Lord revealed to me 2 Corinthians 8, and I was to teach and unpack it. And I'm like... This is not the direction I thought we were headed. Okay. And now here we are in the midst of holding land, in the midst of this 
giving talk. I did not craft this thing together is what I'm telling you. I'm not that much of a genius that I'm like, oh, I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to talk about this. And I knew all this was coming, you know, three years ago. No, I'm in the midst of it with you. This week, I was sitting with Pastor Joel, who's the senior pastor of Bridgeway, which is the church that planted us. And of course, he knows about this, and I drove him by the land, was asking about his opinion, and I talked to our elders, and was just saying, hey, what do you think, where we are financially, and all this stuff, and just getting his advice, which is what we should do. So I'm sitting with him, and I'm talking about this, and he goes, you know, I got something to share with you. And I don't remember why he shared this story with me, and this will all make sense in just one second. So we're sitting there in this conversation, and he, he's hearing me, and we're talking, I take him by the land, he goes, man, I love the piece of property, I think it's a good fit, good size, good thing. So we're chatting, and he says, you know, one year, me and my wife went on a flight from Tampa to Tokyo. I almost titled this whole talk, Tampa to Tokyo. This is what I feel like I'm on. And uh, he said, we're in midair, and all of a sudden, I had an epiphany. I said, what? He said, I realized that Tokyo was not where it would be when, when we took off. And I'll try to explain what he was saying. Whenever we took off from Tampa to get to L.A. and then eventually over to Tokyo that Tokyo was on this side, but when we landed, it would be on this side. There's that rotation thing happening, right? And he's like, and I just didn't realize it, and so I realized the plane was actually aligning to where it was going to go because it's such a long flight. Does that make sense to you? And he goes, I think there's something to alignment. And as soon as you just shared the story, I was like, I think I just got an epiphany. And here's the epiphany. I think you're being asked to do something, and so am I. I think God is aligning something for us. If it's this land, amen. If it's something down the road, amen. But when I heard him say that, I couldn't help but to read this in a different way. I just want you to imagine I'm sitting down there with you. I'm not teaching you. I'm learning right with you. And this is what he was speaking to you, I think, and to me. He's saying this. In the midst of a very severe trial, overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the midst of the service the Lord's people just keep going through it. And I'll read if you have it. Do you have verse 5? Is that all you have? All right, that's all you have. I can memorize the rest. So verse 5. You remember this? Yep. Oh, she got it. Okay. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, leave this here, they gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. Pause. If you remember the teaching of this series, if you missed it, go back and watch it. This whole series is about a church being invited to grow in grace. I want you to grow in grace. I want you to grow in your giving. And I felt like the Lord was really saying this to us. I'm aligning something for you. But I need you to meet me there. And this aligning thing that I'm aligning you to is going to require you to give like these churches in Macedonia. And I felt like in the moment it was like God was saying, I'm not writing to Corinth right now. I'm writing to you. This is not just something I'm, I'm, I'm taking something. Hear me on this, church. Please follow me on this. I think he's writing to you and he's writing to me. 
I want you to excel in the grace of giving. It is time to excel in the grace of giving because I'm aligning something for you. And while you're in mid-flight, I'm preparing a place for you, but I need you to get ready. And I need you to be the first to give. And what did this church do? He said, but before you ever give a dollar, before they ever gave a dollar in this offering, what did they first give? Their hearts. Their lives. Lord, whatever you want to do. Lord, all I have is yours. Lord, I'll put in much as play as possible. Lord, whatever you say, your will, not my will. And I couldn't help but to think about that this week. As I met with Pastor Joel, and I just thought, gosh, I think that's what he's telling us. So here's what we're going to do. And um, I have a few of these. This week, I went out to the land that we're under contract on, which is right here in Odessa. If you want to drive by it, you're more than welcome to. Uh, the easiest way to get there is uh, take 54. Um, I'm not going to refer to the orange building that starts with an H and ends with an S. I'll say the car wash next to it, across from the preserve. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. If you're married, don't say yes. Okay, so. <laughs> joking. Okay. So, so anyways, uh, if you just go right under 589 and 54, the preserve neighborhood is on your right. You follow me where we are in Odessa? If you just uh, stay straight, you pass, there's car wash on your left, there's a Starbucks, there's a McDonald's, there's a restaurant, then there's a Goodyear tire place. All right, if you just go to the next street, not the signal light, the next street, and you take a left, the street's called Altmont, you go about a quarter mile down, right-hand side, 10 acres, and the land is already cleared. All right, pause. So I want this week, and I just dug a hole in the ground, a little small. And uh, I just took some dirt from the land. And this is not, make no mistake about it, me saying, this is our land. We claim it in Jesus' name. You just, no, just, just hold on. It's $940,000. Don't get so excited. Okay, hold on. So, uh, but, but I just thought, I'm just so thankful to be in the conversation. I'm going to be honest and transparent with you. I remember when I planted this church with a few of us. And in our bank, we had $13,000. And rent was $3,000. No one got paid. We, I told my wife, we have about three months. And we'll see what happens. And the very first service of the very first day, I remember looking out the curtain. I thought, God, I don't know if people are going to come. We didn't have any money. So we handed out door flyers. Like, that's all we had. And I remember looking out the curtain. And so I'm, there's people. And I'm just glad there's people. Thank you, God. I have somebody to tell the gospel to, you know? And so this week, I don't know if we're going to land on this land. 
And that's not a lack of faith. I don't, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I have found so many times in life with the Lord, you just, you just step. Those who I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Sometimes you're on peaks. Sometimes you're in valleys. And when you're in a valley, you can't see what's on the other side of the mountain. But you just keep stepping. So I'm just stepping. And I remember saying to somebody, this, I was like, I'm just grateful to be in the conversation. I'm talking to lenders, talking to loan uh, people. And by the way, we should celebrate this. We've never done a building campaign. We've never done a land campaign. But because of the stewardship of this church, our elders' oversight, and the way, by the grace of God as well, 100%, we already have $200,000 to put towards this property. And that's, <laughs> I remember, like, and, and, we, and we'll have still enough to operate, you know, in, in a healthy way. So that doesn't exhaust all of it. That's, a, that's, by the way, so much grateful people who have given over seven years to this church. Some of you are here, some are not, but man, it's just incredible. So I remember telling, just like, Paul, I'm just grateful to be in the conversation. So here's what I did. I just took land. We're going to each give you get a, get a jar. And I'd like for you to take a jar. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, this, this, not this week, because we're going into Thanksgiving. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not asking you for anything. We're not going to ask for a financial campaign or anything like that today. Um, but, but I just thought, I'm sitting there with you. Follow me on this, okay? I'm sitting there with you. I think the Lord is saying something to you and to me. Prepare your hearts. Prepare your hearts. Because the cost of this is going to be great. You never make advancement in the kingdom without arrows. There will be arrows. And where there is advancement, there will be arrows. But I know a God. And by faith, we extinguish all the arrows. And I'm telling you, your family's faith will be challenged in giving. Your, your, your hope will be challenged. We're going to be challenged on this journey. 100%. And so instead of starting with a financial campaign, I want us to start with a prayer campaign. And I'm not saying we're praying for the land as much as we're saying, Lord, just prepare my heart for whatever you want me to do. In advance, I say yes to whatever you ask me to do. And if the, and I, in a way, we're going to offer this land together. Lord, if this is not where you want us, amen, I trust you. Lord, if this is where you want us, I say yes in advance, and I'll do whatever you want me to do, and I trust that you'll meet me there. That's how we're going to start this journey, on the right proper foundation, on the basis of prayer. Amen? And I believe what happens in the physical is always preceded by what happens in the spiritual. So we will win the war in the spiritual. I promise you that. Right? We'll win the war in the spiritual. So, I'm going to give everybody a jar here. Invite the band up for me. And then I wanted to do something. The band's going to come up. We're going to sing a song. Then we're going to be done. But today, I wanted to do something as we wrap this up. And you're all going to get a jar of dirt. Don't worry. We're going to start a 21 days of prayer and fasting. Oh, and by the way, don't worry, don't worry. We're going to launch it after Thanksgiving. And, uh, and I was like, Lord, I, I, I listen, I want to be a good 
pastor here. I'm not going to do that to them. And so I felt like, yeah, okay, can you just get, no one's going to do it anyways, you know. So, uh, so we'll wait till after Thanksgiving. We'll, we'll start the fast next Sunday, and uh, it'll carry us up until December 18th. Amen, church. Isn't it exciting, though, for those? Um, so a couple of things with, with that. Uh, as I was thinking about this jar of dirt, there was uh, a few names, and one name for sure just jumped right out at me. And I thought, for some of you, you're holding the dirt, and you're new to Brave, maybe you've been coming, today's your first time, and you're like, ah, this is going to be part of that journey. Or for some of you, a couple of weeks you've been here, some a couple of months, some a couple of years, some longer, some from day one. And uh, so when I felt this through, I had this thought of, this is going to mean something different to each of you. For some of you, it's like, oh, I've done this with a church before. Oh, man, God, again, you brought me here to do this again. I remember what I had to give. And oh, no, you're going to make me do that again. All right. By the way, I've been through a building and land campaign, so I'm, I'm with you on that. Like, oh, okay. So for some of you, it's like, oh, you know, it means something different. But there was a person who I thought about, and I thought, this is going to mean, there's, I don't know if there's anybody else in this room that, and I'm not trying to compare, but this individual came to my mind, I thought, when he, when he holds this dirt, it's going to mean something completely different. And this is the first name I thought of, Rick Benino. Come here. And uh, come here, man. Rick. Uh, and his family been in church for five, six years or so more. And uh, man, I thought about Rick because uh, I'll jump down because this. <laughs> I will never forget one of the funniest stories I shared with somebody this week. He he has been a part of our setup crew for five since day one. I mean, carries this church on his back. He he would do anything for anyone. He'll set this whole church up by himself for you. I've seen him do stuff like this. For, and listen, it wasn't just for a season. He's still doing it every single Sunday. He's been slaving away at this. You know, and I thought, when he holds this dirt, he's going to feel like, man, it's a different weight. And I thought, he's just going to celebrate. Kids have been baptized in this church. Rick has been baptized. His wife, Tracy, has been baptized in this church. And I just know this is going to mean a lot more to Rick than, than, than we could ever even understand. And so we go, Rick, at this together. God, if you have it for us, amen. If you don't, amen. <laughs> right? And, um, and so I told Rick's funny story this, this, this week. i got to share it with the church. I remember the first time I was telling Megan Dallas we were out to dinner, and I, and I remember saying that this. We were, I remember this, we were tearing down the church together years ago, and we were putting carts away. And you passed by me probably the first couple weeks into the church, and Rick looks at me and goes, Hey, man, I forgot to ask you, what, what do you do for a living? Do you remember asking me that? Do you remember asking me that? No. He passed by me, and he goes, Really don't remember that? He goes, he goes what, what do you do for a living? And I go, Like, you know, for a living. He's like, well, like, you know, I said, I, I'm here. He's like, no, 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 for like work, you know. So you remember this? Man, we're outside on the sidewalk. No, yeah. And so I said, Rick, dude, I, I literally said, Rick, you don't remember this? I was like, how do you think all this happens, man? I was like, 
How do you think, you know, you think it magically all appears? And so I told him, I was like, no, man, I work at the church. Oh, cool. And we just kept moving. And, uh, and uh, I just think with that, but I love you. And we will go to prayer and together on this land and, and trust that God will do his thing. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So, uh, so, so good. All right. So, Lindsay, come here. And, uh, and I just want to tell this. Come here, Lindsay. Just, you can push the baby up here. All right. Yeah, come here, Lindsay. Uh, so, uh, then I could, I could get this out. I just don't have time. If I could, I'd be like, oh, here, you know, I'd hand it out to everybody. So, no favoritism or anything like that. But something, you know, I remember we, me and Chris started the church and uh, met Andrews, of course, again, talked to him. And they, but what makes so much to me about this journey for them, this land is going to mean something different to them. I just want you to know. Andrews and Lynn sold their house to move out here. I mean, you know, that's not just like, oh, yeah. They initially, they drove for a couple of years and, and then me and Andrews went to this little pastor thing and, and kind of felt like coming home that, you know, y'all are going to have to be told to sell the house. And so now you get a husband who comes home. Oh, hey, remember the house we just bought? Yeah, we're going to sell it. Uh, and we're going to move, you know. And I was with Lindsay when they saw the house. And I remember, right, you looked at the house that you're in now. And she goes, this is it. This is home. This is it. You know, I know. God's telling us this is the house. And that's where they live today. And uh, seeing people come from your community and your neighborhood to this church today, even some of the band members are because they moved into this house today and, and just seeing God's faithfulness. So I know when y'all hold this land, you know, at some levels it's a fulfillment of a promise that, that God would be faithful. And so they've been a part of this church from day one. And I just think that should be recognized and understood. And so thank you. And I know I would say the same to Andrews, but here's your jar of dirt. And <laughs> so... Um, all right. Okay, so everybody's gonna get one of those way out, but we wouldn't we wouldn't be dismissed. And I know we're a little over on time, but this calls for it. Uh, I invite you to stand to your feet with us today. So I just thought today, you know, we're gonna go in faith. I don't know. You know, I don't know. So you could already do the math. Nine forty minus two hundred. We're at 740. Uh, we're talking with loan companies and different things. And uh, we'll see where we land. You know, we'll see. We'll see. And I'll keep being up to date. We'll be unpacking this as more. But let's just start with glorifying God for who he is. And I remember being in my office this week. And I'm, I'll shut up, I promise. I was in my office this past week when I'm in the 40 acres. Or, and, and I just went into my office and I shut the door because we had the two offers on the table. We didn't know which one we were going to take. You know, all that was happening. And I just started shouting out in my office by myself, Lord, I have one request. And it is still my request right now. And I go to the Lord and pray. Would you pray with me? Father, we have one request. You get the glory.
declare the truth of his promise to us that we get to see the goodness now in the land of the living. Every dream and all I've hoped for the promises you've spoken over me I hold in faith they're not forgotten in spite of what I feel or what I see and oh I'm choosing to
So let's just take a moment. Just take this time to just sit with the Lord and just talk to him. Just ask God, what do you want from me, God? How can I come and step with you? How can I align my heart to you in this moment? What do I need to declare is true in this moment? Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good for at a proper time we'll reap the harvest if we don't give up. We'll reap a harvest. So just take a second, sit with him, talk with him, ask him.